0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church message podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're taking a look at someone today, and more than likely, you've heard of this person before. And uh, his, his name is Jonah. H- h- show of hands, who, who here has heard of Jonah the in big, the big whale, the fish, exactly? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's turn to, to Jonah. Let's turn to the, the, uh, the book of Jonah, and that is right in between Obadiah and Micah. <clears throat> it's a really small book. It's kind of like uh, Strasbourg. so if you blank, you'll miss it, okay? So you'll fly right by. It's, um, it's, uh, and, oh, my gosh. Oh, no, it's right here. Okay. I'm all jumbled today. Our son decided to, uh, to to wake us up at one o'clock this morning, and uh, just have a party. That's what we do. That's what we do as new parents. We just have parties in the middle of the night. It's fun. It's awesome. But um, if you if you're reading from your fresh Bible, it's page number five hundred and fifty-one. Five hundred and fifty-one. We're going to talk about Jonah. 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 If you grew up in church. Um, you more than likely cannot, at least in, for me, I cannot read this story without imagining um, Jonah as a piece of asparagus with a British accent because that's what VeggieTales has done to my brain. It's ruined the Old Testament for me. I cannot read through the Old Testament anymore and not think of a piece of asparagus <laughs> portraying all these characters. And uh, VeggieTales is great, but um, you know, just, just so you know, uh, I'm trying to preach as an adult here, and um, but just so you know what's going on in my head, I am thinking of this piece of asparagus as we're talking about Jonah here. But let me just give you some background as you turn to, to Jonah, as you try to find it in your Bibles, because it's so tiny. Uh, Jonah, was, Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was a prophet. And, 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 and prophets are not... Prophets are not fortune tellers, although sometimes they're portrayed as such, but, but they, were, they were people that were sent by God, and they heard the voice of the Lord, they had messages from the Lord to go and to um, tell the nation of Israel, the kings of Israel, the people of Israel, um, basically help them get back on track. Uh, because if, if you know as well as I do, the human race is... Kind of messed up, <laughs> and if you read through the bible you, this, this is the Bible is a great example of messed up people, um, so you 'll fit right in and uh, but but these these prophets were were um, sent by god to to, uh, to to these the people of Israel to the kings of israel and, and, and Judah and to to give them not to give them warnings and kind of help correct them and, and offer repentance and uh, make sure that everyone is make sure that everyone is is kind of staying on track and 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 being close to the Lord and well a lot of the kings were just very corrupt and it's 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 a long story but um, the, these these prophets though they, they were kind of weird people um, if you read through the prophets of the Old Testament you'll you'll notice they're Yeah, they do some weird things. Um, Isaiah decided to to run around naked one time and and share his his message from the Lord, like, okay. Well, I mean, it got people's attention, so that's good. Um, Ezekiel decided to write down his message on a scroll and ball it up and eat it, and then proceed to lay on his side for over a year. It's... Again, they they do weird things to get across their messages, and uh, God's got an interesting and unusual way of getting His message across. But but prophecy is a, is a spiritual gift that that I given by the Holy Spirit to build up and to edify the church, and to correct people, and to guide people, and, and help people stay on track with with God and, and stay within um, within the parameters God has for people's lives. And, and and God still gives that ability today. And and our friend Jonah has the spiritual gift of of prophecy, but he he. He gets in his own he, he gets in his own head and just doesn't really use it Properly, um, and, and so this is what Jonah did. Jonah received the message from the Lord. He got the word of the Lord. And if, you're, if you know the VeggieTales, actually, this is so funny. I, um, uh, Judah was, he loves VeggieTales. And he's like, oh, let me just do some research, you know, do some research. So I watched the VeggieTales one again. It's like, a message from the Lord, you know. And um, so that's what I'm imagining. So, so Jonah got this message from the Lord, and uh, he's dancing and singing all the vegetables. I'm just kidding. Um, and then, and uh, so he gets this message from the Lord, and, and the Lord is saying, hey, go to this, this city uh, of Nineveh and preach uh, preach repentance. Tell them, hey, what you're doing is, is evil and wicked. You need to turn from your ways or or, or you'll face the wrath of God and, and it's it's not gonna be good. And so <clears throat> this 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 prophet Jonah he's like well wait a second Every other every other message has been to the people of, of Israel. Well, the Ninevites—they're—they're—they're they're, they're not the people of Israel. They're they're outcasts from us. The, these guys are Assyrians. They. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go and deliver this message to them. I'm going to deliver this message to our, but not to, not to them. And so he, he is conflicted here and, and he, he, um, he, he makes the, the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to ignore what the Lord is saying and I'm going to go and get on a ship as far, as, 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 as far away as I can from Nineveh. And that's exactly what he does. And he, he gets on the ship and tries to sail to Tarsus, which is halfway across the earth. <clears throat> now, um, I'm just, I'm summarizing the story because we're not going to read the whole thing. But, you know, I'm sure you've heard, you know, the waves start going and, and, and um, obviously they, uh, Jonah knows what the culprit is. It's him. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, guys, if you just throw me off of the boat, everything's going to be fine for you guys. And that's what happens. And the winds calm down and everything. And then um, the, the Bible says that the God appointed a big fish to swallow up Jonah. And uh, it's interesting how, a big fish responds better to the word of the Lord. Than his own prophet—anyways, eh, I won't go there. It's too early in the sermon for the mean stuff, right? Um, so anyways, in the belly of the fish, Jonah's like, oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I repent. Please just forgive me again. And so then uh, God appoints the whale to spin him up on the shore. And that's where we end up here in Jonah chapter 3. We're going to read Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4 uh, just to finish it out. It's not that long. But uh, let's, 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 dive into, let's dive into Jonah chapter 3, and, and we'll see what the Lord wants to say today. So starting in verse 1, it says, uh, well, actually, before this, uh, verse 10 of chapter 2, says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And that's where we end up right here. And verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. This is the second time he's told him this. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the, on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, and dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and they must pray earnestly to to this God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Then when God saw what they had done and and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And this is chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans So greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. You're slow to get angry and and filled with unfailing love. How dare you, God? You were eager to turn back from destroying this people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? I think that message is for somebody today. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited for the as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and as soon as it spread I'm sorry, and soon and it, it and soon it spread its it's Um, broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow onto Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. It sounds like a toddler here. It's like, yes, I don't want sense. I just want to tell you how I feel. That's how I imagine him. Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, even though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And this is how the book ends. <laughs> this is how the book ends. And we don't know Jonah's response. And, and I think that's probably intentional. But it ends with a question. And, and it ends with a question, I think, to make the reader kind of feel how Jonah's feeling at this point, you know? Uh, we, we hear about this compassionate and merciful God and, and this thing that was gonna happen to all these people and now it doesn't because our God is so merciful and compassionate. And, and, and Jonah's mad about this, this happening, that he's sparing his destruction. Shouldn't he feel sorry for such a great city? I, I love, I love this, this right here. Such a powerful, powerful statement. It really thought-provoking, you know? And it shows God's heart for humanity. So, so if you're taking notes today, I want to title this message something very, very simple. Loving people you don't like. Loving people you don't like. To, to elbow your neighbor. Help me, help me introduce this a little bit. Just say, I love you. That's all you got to say. Just say, hey, I love you. And you don't have to imply whether you like them or not. Just tell them, hey, I love you. I love you, neighbor. I love you, neighbor. <laughs> Loving people that you don't like. Something, in my opinion, Jonah did not do very well at all. So let's open up in prayer and uh, ask the Lord to, to bless our, our time together. Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing time of worship, and, and worship through song, worship through conversation, worship through reading of your word. God, I just pray that you, you would just inhabit this place and and, and uh, just fill our hearts with, with praise, fill our, hearts, uh, fill our heads with knowledge and, and our hearts with understanding. And uh, let us leave here uh, being different, being even just the slightest bit different. God, God, I pray you do something in our midst today, do something in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. God, and just speak to us, whatever you want to say for us this morning, for us to leave here completely and utterly changed with more understanding of who you are, more understanding of your heart, and teach us how to love people we just do not like. In Jesus' mighty name, all the church said, amen. Loving, loving people you don't like. How do, you, how do you love someone you don't like? It's, this, is a, this is a really tough question, isn't it? How do you love someone that you don't like? This, it almost sounds not even, not even possible. It sounds like an oxymoron, you know? And I'm, I'm sure we all have that one person that just really knows how to pinch every nerve that we have. Come on, you know who I'm talking about. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that coworker that, as soon as you get to work on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, as soon as you get there, they come and well, did you know that Becky left all the paper? She left cardstock in the printer, and it was supposed to be. It's blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's Monday morning, and she's just like, blah, 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 blah. and you're just faced with this person, you're like you really, really just annoy me. You you get under my you, you know how to get under my skin and pinch every nerve that I have. And you know, maybe you've got that one family member. Every time you get together, they have something to say about you. And no matter what it is, it's just, oh, yeah, <laughs> I see those tattoos. I see that boyfriend. Mm, you know, so they, they have something to say about you. It's like, I, can I just not deal with you right now? Every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every birthday, I tell myself, you're not going to bother me. And uh, then I see you face to face and you just, oh, you get right there. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, the, maybe it's the one person at church that you, you know, and maybe you're sitting right next to them. And and you know it, and they don't. Maybe they think it's you. I don't know. Who? Someone gets under your skin. Someone it just irritates you. People bother us sometimes. Maybe it's your spouse. Hello. (laughs) Maybe it's and you're you're like, well, I gotta love you now, or till death do us part. You know. Some people just bother us. Can I be real here? People irritate me all the time, especially especially on the interstate. My goodness. If you know me, you know that I'm very much driver safety. Uh for me, um, and I, I want to make sure everything is smooth, you know, and just people irritate me sometimes, and we all just know that one person, that one person that just never stops talking, no matter what you say, and maybe that's me, If you, or maybe you think that's me, and I'm sorry about that, but you know, they just keep talking and talking and talking, they always have something to say, something to say about everything, and you're like, you've already said, wow, that's crazy, three times, and they're just not, they're not getting the hint, you know? That's, you pull that card and, and they just, they don't, it's like, man, some people just seem really impossible to like. You know what I mean? Some people are just very, very hard to wrap your head around uh, liking this person, you know? And uh, I, I think that the story of Jonah is, is very, very interesting because you've got this entire city of people that Jonah does not like like you've got this entire city and, and and a god with his infinite humor who was like hey Jonah I want you to get in there and hang out with those people for a few days eh, bring a message to them too why not you know and it's like he god knows that Jonah does not like these people and he's willing to send him into uh, into Nineveh anyways i could i can just feel the tension every time i read this text and, uh, you know, but, but, you know, this is what Jonah spends his life doing. Jonah's a prophet, remember? So, so, so th- this is his livelihood. This is his responsibility as a, as a prophet of God is to go and deliver messages. So, you know, and the responsibility of, 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 you know, of, of the prophets are to go down and warn people over their wicked ways, like I said, and, you know, to, to repent and turn back to God, which is fine, which is, you know, no big deal. And this is what Jonah does. This is the gift that God gave Jonah. But the problem with that is that every other time God gave him the word to go prophesy to go on a mission on, it was always to the people of Israel, his own people. And so now God is calling Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh that is outside of the nation of Israel. This is a tough task. This is a really tough task for Jonah because Nineveh was this capital city of Assyria, which uh, just some geography is modern day Iraq, so just to give you some context there, and uh, you know the Assyrians were some of the like worst People ever. They were brutal. They were vicious. They were barbaric. They were just really, really terrible, terrible people. And Jonah thought the same thing. And so, you know, these Assyrians, they did not like Israel and Israel did not like the Assyrians. And, and these were not just like some friendly neighboring nations, you know, like us in Canada or whatever. These are like, this is a real deal, like hatred for one another. They, they the Assyrians hated Israel. They hated Israel's God and they hated their ways and how they thought they were better better than everybody else because they've got the, the God on there, you know, and this, this the Assyrians just do not like them. And Israel does not like the Assyrians. You would be out of your right mind to say, hey, I'm going to go deliver this message. Tell people that they're living in sin. Tell people that what they're doing is not is not good. And they need to stop right now because of, the, of what the Lord, my God says. <laughs> and they don't even worship your God. They worship false gods. it'd be out of your right mind to say, this is a good idea. And, and so, so this is the dilemma that Jonah is, is facing. And, and so what really interests me about the story of Jonah is how relatable he is. Every time I read the story, I'm like, man, I see myself in your shoes. He, he's, he's really relatable. I mean, what does Jonah do when he hears an instruction from the Lord he doesn't like? Well, he just doesn't do it. <laughs> and I get that. I get that. In fact, he will go completely out of his way to avoid doing so. When God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, it was about roughly 500 miles from where he was. Instead, Jonah went 2,500 miles across some sea. I don't, I'm not that good at geography. Some sea to avoid going. It's, it's like he, he was willing to put in more work to avoid the, 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 the call of God on his life than to actually live it out because he just didn't want to do it. And I'm thinking, man, I can relate. There are some people, I would take a boat 2,500 miles away just to avoid them and encounter with them, you know? So I, I get it. Let's just be real here. Why do you think we live in Hedgesville? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but Jonah clearly heard from the Lord exactly what he was to do and he ran away. He disobeyed God just because he did not like the people. He was willing to withhold a message from the Lord just because he did not like the people. He was willing to withhold repentance and salvation for these people from God just because he did not like the people. Jonah was being deliberately disobedient to God's instruction, entirely based on his own feelings. Jonah was being deliberately disobedient to God's instructions, not based on how hard it was. He's a a prophet, so he's probably a pretty good public speaker, you know? It wasn't based on the distance, clearly, because he went all the way. It was based on his own he just didn't want to do it because he didn't like the people. And I, I just, I can't help but to think, how many times do we in our own lives maybe act a little bit like Jonah where God calls us to do something, you feel the voice of the Lord, you think you're hearing the voice of the Lord, and, and no one's ever sure, by the way. You always move on hunches when you're, when you're in relationship with God. And so, you know, maybe you hear something like, hey, why don't you give that, that guy ten dollars? On the you know at the at the street corner. Why don't you give him ten dollars? And we argue with God because we don't want to do what we think He's calling us. Well, they're just going to spend it on. Oh, they don't. They don't even. Like, just go get a. You know. And we start to to talk bad about these people. Whoever God is calling us to go reach, just because of our own feelings, we don't want to go and put ourselves out there. And and do the work of the Lord entirely based on our own feeling. This is what Jonah did. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to go across the sea instead of go to these people. And I guess in case, this is what he didn't want to do. And you know, feelings are fleeting. Emotions are fleeting. And fleeting feelings are a terrible, terrible thing to make permanent decisions on. Fleeting emotions are a terrible, terrible thing to make a permanent decision on. Because feelings can cloud your judgment. Feelings can, I mean, think about it. This, this guy is a prophet from the Lord. More than likely, God has used him before and in a really, really incredible way. He's, he's, he's been in communion with God. He's, he's spoken messages. God has spoken through him. He's, he's done some incredible things through the power of, of God living within him and speaking to him. And he's seen the miracles of God in his life before. Surely, this isn't his first rodeo of, of receiving a message from the Lord. This is a, this is a well-established prophet. So this isn't the, the first, it's, 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 he's seen the work of God before, and yet his cloud of judgment based on the temporary feelings that, of, of not liking these Ninevites led him down a path of deliberate disobedience. This wasn't just an impulse decision. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah had to, to, to wait, he, he received this message, he went to sleep on it, Right, and he woke up, still making the decision to disobey the Lord. Gathered all of his things, packed up his tent, put it all on his back, put it all on his camel. Went to however far to get down to the port of Joppa, where he decided to pay money to buy a ticket going to Tarshish, away from Nineveh. This wasn't an impulse decision. This was um, this was this was uh, intentional. This was deliberate. It was deliberate disobedience. It wasn't impulsive. He chose to be disobedient with what God was telling him to do, and he was trying to escape his responsibilities and the calling placed on his life. Why? Because he didn't feel like it. He didn't like the people. I mean, surely we can see how silly this is, right? I mean, sure, if, if, if God is going to give you a message and God has, has protected you before, surely he'll protect you again. So it's not like it's, he's, he's afraid of these Assyrians. He just doesn't like them. And he allowed his feelings to affect his calling. All because of the way he felt about these Ninevites. He didn't like them. He didn't want to see them get right with God. He wanted them to continue in their sinful ways and face the judgment of God and not offer repentance. You know, he's, he's trying, to, trying to argue with God. Come on, God, these are Ninevites. You've seen what they've done. You know where they've been. Come on, they're not worthy of repentance. They're not worthy of, of me going and delivering this. Med- Come on, they're scum of the earth. Just wipe them out. Mind you, <laughs> this is the same guy who just repented in the belly of a fish for disobeying uh, disobeying the call of God on his life and that he was stuck in for three days. And I I feel like most people, um, after you get spit up by a fish— after being in there for three days, seeing light for the first time, feeling sand for the first time. I feel like most people would have a different outlook on life. You know, like, wow, God, you who you really are a God who is gracious and merciful and compassionate. Oh, if you're so compassionate for me, you know, why don't, why don't we go spread this? Not Jonah. <laughs> He's like, thanks. Still no. <laughs> you know, he, he went and did it reluctantly, but, uh, but not Jonah. Yeah, I heard a pastor say this once. It's just funny. He said, there, you know, there were two ways out of that fish. And Jonah should have realized how compassionate God was when he was spit up on that beach. I just, I thought that was funny. God is a compassionate and graceful and merciful God. And what bothers me probably the most about this story is how much we act like Jonah still today. How often we try to run from God's commands when it comes to the things we don't like to do. How often we let a personal grudge overtake how God wants to use us in someone else's life and someone else's story. How often we, we move on our own feelings versus God's instructions. You know, God gives commands, not, uh, not suggestions. And you know, maybe how often we withhold from people what God gives so freely. Who are we to say that you're not deserving of repentance, you're not deserving of of God's grace. Who are we who also are not deserving of God's repentance, who are also not deserving of God's grace. And you know it's really sobering when we think about how often we don't love the people that we don't like. If you've been a Christian for, you know, longer than three weeks, You've probably <laughs> come to know uh, the fact that love is a pretty essential part of being a Christian. Yes, I mean, we, we all know the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, you, you've, this is written in red letters. This is from the mouth of Jesus, from the mouth of God himself. You know, this, this is one of the most basic biblical principles and foundations of our faith is loving God and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. You know we we know this stuff. You know, and 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 like Jonah, we receive the word from the Lord. We receive the instruction of what we're supposed to do. And yet, let's just be real: we're not great at, at responding to Jesus' commands. We're not great at following through with what He asked us to do. Just like Jonah, because we don't like to love who we don't like. <laughs> we don't like to love who we don't like. Now, and I just want to clarify real quick, you know, Jesus never asked us to like our neighbor as we like ourselves. That's not, that's not what his command was. He, he, he never asked us to like anybody. He, he's not expecting us to be best friends with everybody. He obviously knows personalities clash. He made us. He knows, right? And so see, he's not asking us to like everybody, invite strangers into your home, you know, nothing like that. Set, set some boundaries. Jesus wants you to set some boundaries. He's, he's not asking us to like everybody, but he is asking us to love everybody. And there's a big difference. And you might be thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense. How can you love someone without liking them first? And I think this is where we get lost sometimes, where we think about loving people is, is we just water down the term love, and <clears throat> we say, oh, yeah, I, I love them. We, we overuse the word very, very often, I love pizza, <laughs> I love ice cream, you know, I, I love you, and it's, it's, it's different, so we, we've kind of watered down this term a little bit so we don't really understand, and we, we interchange love and like sometimes, like, oh yeah, I love, I love that guy, but that's not actually true, you just tolerate them, you, you like them, so, so, so there's, a, there's a big difference between love and like, and what Jesus is asking us to do is love people, love our neighbor as we love ourselves, so the difference is like is an emotion, but love is an action. Like is an emotion, and love is an action. So, so was, like is something that you feel. Like, I, I like spending time with my wife. We have great times all the time. I, I enjoy spending time with my, with my wife. I, I do not like mayonnaise. It's disgusting. And anyone who likes mayonnaise, I trouble, I have I struggle to like you. It's, it's really gross. Um, mayonnaise is, and this is just how I feel. This is, you know, it's, it's subjective for everybody because like is an emotion, and we're allowed to feel emotions. I think emotions are great feelers. They're terrible reactors, but great feelers to know the kind of situation that you have going on. But, but you know, love, on the other hand, is something that you do. It's something that you do. It's, a, it's an action. It's a choice. Love is a selfless act. Love is putting the benefit of others before your own. John uh, chapter 15 uh, puts it this way in, in verse 12 and 13. It says, this is, my com- this is Jesus talking. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus demonstrated this for us, of putting the benefit of others that you love in front of your own, in front of your own concerns. Putting the benefit of others before yourself. Jesus demonstrated this in such an incredible way when he, was, he came down to earth to put on flesh and bone, to die a death that we deserve, to take our sin. It's something I'm sure he didn't enjoy doing, but it's something because he loves us so much, he wanted to do it, and he put our benefit in front of his own. And so now we can be confident, and, and uh, Hebrews says, come boldly, come confidently and boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to be scared of it anymore. We don't have to be afraid of God. We can come to him boldly because we can have a right relationship with him through Jesus, through the the, the great mediator, through the, the, the high priest, Jesus. This is what he did for us when he laid down his life for us. And Jesus laid down his life to show us how much he loves us, and yet we struggle to lay down our pride sometimes and love people we don't like. It's our responsibility as Christians, as brothers and sisters, that we love people that we don't like. Despite how we feel, we have to know how God feels about them. This love we've received is a forward love. It's an active love. It's an always moving love. It never stays with us. So when we receive this love, we have to give it out. We have to give it out. Which which leads us back to the question, how do I love someone that I don't like? How do I do it? How am I able to do it? And I I rarely ever do points in church, but I've got four points for us today, okay? So your your note takers are really going to be really happy with me. Um, So so there are four ways that I've found that we can love people that we don't like, taken from the story of Jonah. And firstly, the first thing we have to do is level the playing field. Level the playing field. We've got to realize that we are all human beings we're all messed up, we're all broken, we all drug in our stuff today, and some of us are gonna keep dragging it back out and drag it around with us. We, we all have this, this stuff, we're all human beings, we all have faults and failures, we all struggle with this terminal disease called sin, we're all guilty of it, we're, we're, we're all in need of a savior that nobody deserves, we're all in need of God's love which nobody deserves, and there's not a single person worthy of God's love. Not you, not me, not Jonah, not the Ninevites, nobody. And for some reason, some of us walk around acting like we're better than everybody else. You know what I mean? This is what Jonah did. Jonah walked around acting like because he's a prophet, because he's got his status, his title, that he is better than these Ninevites, and they're not worth his time. But we do this too. You know, we, we, we say, oh, we, we go to church. So, the you know, all these other people are heathens and everything. We share the verse of the day on the Instagram. You know, we, we did our Bible plan today. I gave my heart to Jesus in 2008. So I'm good for here on out. And we, we think that this, this Jesus gives us this status, this title that we get to hoard over everybody else. That's exactly what the Pharisees did with God. But I'll just leave that there. But when we see ourselves as better than other people, better than broken people, because we're broken ourselves, and we see ourselves as better and higher than them, this is where the problem lies. And in Jonah's eyes, the Ninevites had gone too far, done too much, and and they'd done it for way too long. And because of what they have done, that they are not deserving of God's grace. And Jonah made sure that they knew that. But let me encourage you and discourage you at the same time today when it comes to grace is that there is nothing that you can do that is too bad to make God stop loving you. But also, the same goes for every single other person that we encounter, every single human being. There is nothing that you can do that is too bad, no place you can go that is too far to ever make God stop loving you. And when we think about it that way, oh man, nobody deserves God's grace. But we're all eligible for it because it gives it so freely. We'll never be able to love people we don't like if we first don't level the playing field. We're all so extraordinarily unique, and yet we've got so much more in common than we realize. And second thing is we've got to have compassion. We've got to have compassion. We we live in a world today that is just compassionless. Everybody walks around like zombies, focusing on themselves and only themselves, and our accomplishments, and our status, and how much money we have. It's, 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 there is no compassion anymore. We've created narcissistic, narcissistic generations of Christians who do the same too, who, who, are, who, who our only concern is our relationship with God and nobody else's. Oh, if I'm good with God, then I'm good with God. And 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 nobody else that 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 I am planted and, around matters to me at all because it's all about me and God. It's me and Jesus, you know. It's me and Jesus. And and you know when, when someone wrongs us, when when, when someone um, does does bad to us, this is the kind of narcissistic um, mindset that we have. Is you know we want them to we want to see them come under judgment. We, we went to see them punished. We want to see them get, you know, um, be repaid for their actions. And I'll prove this to you because I do the same thing. <laughs> when, when you're driving down the interstate, you're in the, you know, in the right lane, just chilling, nothing, everything's fine. You go on the speed limit and someone just goes Phew, down the road. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Man, I hope they get a ticket. It's true. Man, I hope they get a ticket. It's not about their safety. It's not about the, the reason the laws are in place anyways that they're breaking. Man, I hope they get pulled up. Man, I hope they lose their license. We, we desire this to see punishment happen. And I, I just wonder where we went wrong because our God does not desire to see punishment. Our God desires to give grace, to give mercy, to give love, to give compassion. And when we see that first we're all, this. we've leveled the playing field, we're all very, very similar we're all in need of grace. We can more easily give compassion and mercy to other people. And, and Jonah doing this, he, he, he's, he, as he sees the God of compassion and mercy give grace to these Ninevites, he complains about it. <laughs> he complains, God, I knew you would do this. This is what the text says. I knew you would do this. I, you're too compassionate. You're too gracious. You're too merciful. I knew you were going to do this. This is why I didn't want to come here in the first place. He was, he was mad at God for not, for not giving Nineveh what it deserved, but man, how quickly we forget that we've all received something we do not deserve. We've got to have compassion on people, realizing we all need a Savior. We're all broken, we're all flawed, we're all messed up. And our hearts should hurt for people, not be bitter towards them. We will never be able to love people we don't like if we do not have compassion. Thirdly, this one's tough. Pray for people that you don't like. Pray for people that you don't like. We've, we've got to be a church that prays about it. We've got to be a people that prays about everything. You know, if you're sick, pray. You know, if, if you need healing, pray. If you need a job, pray. What, what would it look like if we overprayed about everything? Is that even a thing? <laughs> like, is that even possible? If we overprayed about everything and, oh, wait, I've, I've got this, this tiff with this person. Instead of using your emotions and just going off when we're singing, I'm going to be really mad at you sending you this awful tweet, you know, or uh, do we even tweet anymore? I don't know. Facebook message, text, WhatsApp. I don't know. Before we do that, we, we pray about everything else, but when we're in an argument, when we're in a disagreement, it tends like it seems to be as if prayer is always last on the list. But what if, what would it look like if it was first on the list? We'll look if it's first I want to read a passage of scripture from Matthew chapter uh, Matthew chapter five verse forty-three through forty-five. And, and it says this this is Jesus talking. You've heard the law that says, Love your neighbor, which is in the Old Testament. But then there's a comma there where the people have added on to what God has said. So so he's he's saying, You've heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. What? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Just making sure my text is right. It seems very off the wall. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Man, that's tough. But this is, this is what Jesus is saying. <laughs> you become more like the Father in heaven when we pray for those who persecute us, when we pray for our enemies. And maybe, just maybe, just a random thought here. Maybe, maybe the person that we pray for and we pray, God, I don't know why they're this way. Just change them. Make them realize what they're doing. Just maybe, as we're praying for other people, God is doing something in our own spirit as well. Pray for your enemies it's really hard to hate someone that you're praying for. It's really hard to hate someone that you're praying for. We have got to pray for our people. We've got to lift them up to the Lord in order to reset a little bit and say, all right, I've been forgiven much so I can forgive much. I've been given so much so I can give much. God is compassionate with me, so certainly I can be compassionate with them. And we have to be okay with okay, praying for your enemies, learning how to love them and not like them still, and them never reciprocating it. Because that's what Jesus did for us. He died a death we deserve, willingly gave up his life for everybody, including the ones that Would never reciprocate that love. We've got to pray for our enemies. Lastly, and as every preacher says, I'm closing with this. We've got to destroy the dividers. Now, this one's really, really tough. Because there seems to be something that always gets in the way of us loving people. For Jonah, his divider was was race. He did not associate with the Assyrian people. Therefore, when God calls him to go to the Assyrian people, this is where he draws the line. This This is what divides them. Maybe for some of us, that's the case. We still live in a world today where racial injustice is still very prominent and it's a really sad world we live in. And that's one of the obvious ones, but maybe it's a little less obvious. Maybe it's, well, they just talk too much. I can't, I'm not gonna, no, that's where I draw the line. Maybe they just, maybe they smell bad. Oh my gosh, they just need to take a shower. Then I'll go talk to them. Then I'll go love them. We always have these dividers. And I wanna ask you today, there's, there's one person typically, that at least, that we can think of when we think of the word enemy or someone that we just don't like. And they usually pop in our head right about now. <laughs> but I can guarantee you there is a divider between you and them that has been put up that we need to identify and destroy so that nothing can separate God's love in us from reaching them. We have got to destroy the dividers. Maybe you've been hurt by someone. You're like, I can never forgive them. I can never forgive my, my ex-husband. What he did to me, it's, it's been terrible. I can never forgive my old boss. They, they just, they're, they're too bad. We've, we let unforgiveness be the, the barrier. Unforgiveness be the divider. Maybe it's church people. Man, I've, I've been to church before. They, they hurt me really, really bad and this and that and we can always find a good excuse not to like somebody, but I want to tell you today, there's, there's no good excuse that we can use not to love somebody. We've got to be intentional about tearing down the walls, breaking the dividers and the barriers that separate us from other people and us from loving other people. We'll never be able to love people we don't like if we don't destroy what separates us. And I want to encourage you today. <clears throat> God doesn't make mistakes. God has placed you where he wants you for such a time as this. He's placed the people around you that you don't like for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And I believe God can use you to reach them in some way. He's really good at that. But if we tell ourselves, no, we're not doing that, I'm, I'm drawing the line here, I'm not going that far, I'm not gonna love this person, well, then we'll never see the world change. It sounds so simple, but I, I, I know we all wanna see the city of Winchester come alive and, and we, all, we all wanna see the love of God radically transform this the city we, so, we, we live in and, and love. And it's gonna sound really, really simple, But it starts, not at loving the whole city, that's a big daunting task, but it starts at loving our neighbor, loving the people that get on your nerves, loving the people that there is tension between, loving the people that don't like you, loving the people you don't like. We've got to be Jesus in the communities. We've got to let Jesus come through in our relationships with these people, even if they're rocky if we want to see the, the, the city of Winchester transformed, we've got to love our neighbor. We've got to love our neighbor. So that's our challenge today. That's what I want to challenge you with five minutes over. Let's not be like Jonah. Let's use Jonah as a really good example of what not to do. And Be excited for God to give grace and mercy to the people who need it so desperately, which is each and every single one of us, but also every other person that we encounter in our lives. So let's, let's let this be, let's, let's be the change. What if we were the weird church that actually <laughs> did what Jesus said and went out and loved our community? So that's what I want to challenge you with today. If you want to stand up, I'll, I'll pray over us and I'll send us out. God, we thank you so much for this amazing time that we get to spend with one another. I thank you for the transformation that's happening in this room and the softening of hearts and the healing of bitterness. just pray that as we leave this space today that we are going out into where you've placed us to be we don't even have to do anything extra to get there we just got to be and I pray that you would start to reveal to us ways that we can love our neighbor ways that we can love the people we don't like ways that we can allow your love and your grace and mercy and power to transform the situations we're in just because we say yes to the commands that you have for us. Just because we say yes to loving people the way that you do. And I pray for transformation in our workspaces. I pray for transformation in our friend groups. I pray for transformation in the doctor's office, at the grocery store, just because we're being an example of how much you love people. This love that you have is the only thing that can change our world, and we believe that firmly, but we're just asking that you would empower us to be placed in situations that may not necessarily be comfortable, but set us up for a position set us up and put us in a position where we're able to allow your power to transform the atmosphere that we're in. God, we love you. We thank you that you're mending hearts today and starting new relationships today. I pray that if it's your, if you're here and and you're contemplating if uh, if you wanna start a relationship with God or not, if you wanna walk with Jesus or not, I wanna encourage you today, it's so much better with Jesus. And it looks as simple as just turning around from where you are and walking towards Him. You'll find that He's a lot closer than you thought He was. And I wanna encourage you to do that today before you leave this space, I don't, want to, I don't want you to leave this moment and, and regret not, not taking that step with Jesus sooner. And I can promise you it's not always going to be easy, but man, it's going to be so good. Maybe you need to hear that today, that God loves you and he's compassionate and grace, uh, gracious and merciful to you. And he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to live life with him. He wants to do this thing together. That's the whole reason He came. That's the whole reason you're here today is because He's orchestrated everything to make sure you hear this message, to make sure you're in this moment. And I want to encourage you not to leave without choosing Him today. Maybe you rededicate your life to Him today. Maybe you rededicate your life to him for the 10th Sunday in a row. That's, and that's great too. He loves your consistency. God, I just pray you would give us the strength to go out into this dark and crazy world we live in, into our Nineveh, if you will. And let us love the people that you love, which is everybody, and allow your presence to transform every situation that we're in. We give our lives to you. We give our our moments to you. We give our situations to you. Everything that we have is yours. I just pray that you would bless it and use it in however, in whatever way that you want to use it in. We just trust you with it. We lay it down here at your feet. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you all of who we are. For you to use for your glory. Jesus' mighty, wonderful, powerful, awesome name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much he loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com slash give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus.